good morning and welcome. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. What a beautiful Lord's Day it is, and uh, uh, good to see your smiling faces. Good to see some folks that have um, are just making their, their comeback. Got, glad to have you guys back with us, and uh, thank you for being here. If you're joining us by live stream, welcome as well. Um, and, and I wasn't really planning on doing this, but I'm just going to do it um, anyway. Uh, we are rejoicing that God has answered prayer. Uh, God saved one of our um, family's uh, children this week, and uh, we're rejoicing in that. I'm going to leave it at that for now. Before the end of the service, you'll find out who that is. And uh, the angels in heaven have been rejoicing for uh, a whole week now. Um, and so we just praise God for his work of salvation uh, in, in this young life. Here at East LJ Baptist Church, if you're visiting with us the first time, we want you to know that we have been captivated by Christ in Jesus. We've seen and we cannot unsee the glory of God, which is His grace and His mercy to us, given through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He has captivated us. There's no better news. There's no uh, truth that's any more valuable. There's, there's no person that's any more beautiful than the Lord Jesus. And we as a church exist to spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ to our world. And it's our prayer that as you join us here today for worship of the risen Christ, that you'll see and embrace his beauty. And that when you leave here today, you'll be captivated by who he is as well. Several announcements as we begin this morning. First of all, there'll be no Wednesday night Bible studies this Wednesday uh, in person and, and no see for yourself via Zoom. Um, just taking a break this week and got some work going on in the church. And so uh, we're just going to break all together this Wednesday. Secret Church 21 is this Friday, April 23rd. Uh, the focus is the great imbalance and how in order to be faithful to fulfill the great commission, some things in the church must change. That's what we're talking about this Friday night beginning at 7 o'clock. We have room for three more. And so if you'd like to join us from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m., yes, that's what I said. It's a six-hour intensive time of Bible study and uh, worship and also prayer for the persecuted church. So this Friday night, 7 p.m. Also, next Sunday will be our quarterly foreign missions offering. Uh, so continue to pray about your part in that. This is the way we support our foreign missions here at East LJ. Uh, is through these quarterly foreign mission offerings. We had a, um, God just really blessed last quarter, had a, had a strong uh, mission offering. For those of you who weren't able to join us for conference last Sunday, we uh, have brought on another missionary couple, a couple with uh, uh, Rachel and Josiah Vanderdecker, who serve with Ethnos 360 in Papua New Guinea, uh, doing Bible translation there. And so uh, we, we have been able to add them. Uh, due to your generous giving, so continue to generously give toward the cause of Christ in the nations. Saturday, May the 1st, we are going to have our first in quite some time men's ministry breakfast here at the church at 7.30 that morning. Is that what we said, Rod, 7.30? Do we do it at 8? Okay, 8's good. Eight's good. So 8 o'clock on Saturday, May the 1st, men's ministry breakfast. If you'd be willing to help uh, cook or serve, see Roger. Wave your hand in the back, Roger, um, and we'll, we'll get that taken care of. Thank you for, um, for that, Roger. And then finally, uh, announcement-wise, uh, Centra Kid Day Camp. So parents of children, 
whose kids do center kid. There's not a big center kid deal going on, but center kid day camp is coming to First Baptist LJ June the 28th through July the 2nd from 8.30 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. The cost is $185. There's a sign-up sheet on the welcome desk on your way out, so if you're interested in your kids being involved in that, sign up there, and then we'll get you connected over to Miss Alice Holt, who's heading that up at First Baptist LJ. I want to give a thank you to Andy Bradshaw and Wes Clampett, Roger Putnam, Matt Penland, and Russ Adamson. Uh, these men served uh, on behalf of our church uh, a community outreach uh, project. They constructed a storage building for Cameron Hall Assisted Living. Uh, very interesting. Some of their residents are going to become beekeepers and I don't know exactly what this storage building is doing. I don't know if it's housing. Is it housing the bees, Rog? What's, what's it? Okay, anyway, somehow it's serving the beekeeping for the residents at Cameron Hall. So thank you guys for uh, serving and, and, and reaching out in our community that way. I'm going to ask Adam Pulliam to come now. He, Pat, Adam is the, is the chairperson of our Youth Pastor Children's Administrator Search Committee. He's just going to give you a brief update on the progress of that committee. Hello, good morning. Um, just wanted to stand up here and let you guys know what's going on with the Youth Pastor Search Committee. Um, we actually received some resumes this week. We got the job posted. Um, so we're going through resumes right now. We have a couple. Um, that we're going through and uh, <clears throat> trying to see if they're qualified candidates. We've got some sermons that they've sent us that we're listening to and uh, just going through their resumes. I personally had a phone conversation with a gentleman uh, this week, um, went very good. Um, so we're waiting to hear back from him on whether he would like to talk further with the rest of the committee. Um, just want to say, how much we appreciate the church continued the increased giving um, conference last week. We heard that that is still being done. The, uh, all you guys giving and the people at home that continue to give um, has been increased, which is making this position, being able to support this position even better. So uh, we really appreciate that. And we just ask that you continue to pray for the committee, continue to pray that uh, the Lord's will be done in finding the right person because there's no doubt that the right person's out there, we just have to find him. So if you just continue to pray for us, continue to pray for the position, uh, wisdom and guidance, um, we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you. Amen. Thank you, Adam, for that. This morning we also uh, have a special guest, the director of the Gilmer Food Pantry, Alan Treble, uh, is with us. And Alan's going to come now. And, and give you an update. We uh, partner as a church with uh, the Gilmer Food Pantry. Uh, we support them financially uh, and, and, in, and in other ways that we have opportunity. So it's been a while since we've kind of heard what's going on and, and, and an update. So I ask Alan to come and share with us this morning. Come on, Alan. Good morning. I've been at the pantry 12 years, and uh, we've gone through a lot of changes in those 12 years. Matter of fact, our 20th anniversary will be on May 8th. 
we're one of the, in the three county area, we're the only pantry that is all volunteer. The one in Pickens and the one in Blue Ridge both have paid directors and paid people there. So when you give to the Gilmer Community Food Pantry, 85% of the money goes for food. I just uh, wanted to show one example of that. Our records only go back as far as 2007. But from 2007 to March 31st of this year, we gave out 5,441,000 pounds of food. In comparison, the heaviest object ever weighed by man is the Kennedy Space Center launch structure. And that only weighed 4,866,000 pounds. That's how much food we give out. A couple of the programs that we have that you may be interested in, one is the SACPAC program. We provide four meals for the kids so that they have food between Friday and Monday when they start school. Gilmer County has over 60% of the children qualify for government-assisted food in this county. And a lot of those kids, the only meals they get are when they're at school. So when we give out a SAC pack, we have 362 kids in that program now. That is their main meal between the end of school on Friday and when they come back to school on Monday. We also just sent up last month a food pantry at the senior center. The senior center has locked down and they don't have the hot meals anymore. So we got a grant through an age assistance program out of Rome, Georgia and set up a food pantry there. Provided 600 pounds the first week and even though we were given a, a small grant to get it done, we're gonna do it as a permanent program from now on. And finally, we establish an adopt-a-family adopt program where we try to find shut-ins who can't get to us. We're only open Wednesdays and we're only open from nine to one, so it's difficult for some people to get to us. So if you know of any people, any family, any senior that can't get to us, we'll find a volunteer to bring the food to them and I'll sign them up in the program. Thank you, and if you, I guess, do you want me to ask if there's any questions or not? If anybody has any questions about the program, feel free to ask. The only reason I became the volunteer director there is I almost died in a car accident and figured there was a reason that I didn't die in that accident. And I've been the director there two years. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And some days it's not, but generally, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. We appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much. And as Alan mentioned there at the end, in our conversation prior to today, Alan said one of the hardest parts is uh, connecting people to the food pantry. So we wanted to make you aware, uh, some of you may not have known, we supported the food pantry. We wanted you to make, be aware of that. Also wanted you to be aware of the work that they're doing. And if you have anybody, if you, you know, come across anybody that needs uh, this assistance, it's there. And uh, just we can connect, connect them with uh, Alan and, and the, the Gilmore Food Pantry. Thank you, Alan.
I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read from the Word of God, Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 31, as we enter into worship this morning. Luke 12, verse 22, it says, And he said to his disciples, speaking of Jesus, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. I'm so thankful today that we can call, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ, if we trust Christ, we can call God Father. And we can know that He is this kind of Father, a caring, providing Father. And so what that means is we're free to seek His kingdom. We're free from anxiety and worry and fretting about all these things to pursue His honor and glory in the world. And that's what we're called to do. Uh, and, and, and yet we're surrounded by people who don't know God as Father. You have family members, co-workers, neighbors, friends who need Jesus. And so we want to pray for your, your people that need Him. But we want to pray for the nations as well. The unreached people group for today that we want to remember in prayer is the Tunisian Arabs. This is a people group of 10,810,000 and they're are no known believers among this people group. And so we want to pray for God to penetrate their, their people group with the gospel. Uh, other things that we'll join in praying together for, and including the Gilmer Food Pantry and several, several of our own uh, who, who need our prayers today. So join me as we pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to call you Father and to know the comfort that your promises bring to our lives, the peace that we can have in you. Father, we, we want that for, for many we love, people we know and work with and, and are even family members who are yet to know you. Father, open doors for us to speak the gospel to them, to talk about what Jesus has done. And Father, how we pray you would raise up missionaries to take the gospel to the Tunisian Arabs. Lord, that you would open doors for nearby believers to penetrate uh, this, this culture with the gospel. And Lord, may many come to know you. Today we thank you, Father, for the work and ministry of the Gilmer Food Pantry to our community. We thank you for Alan. We pray for he and his staff that you would strengthen them and give them uh, ongoing encouragement in this work. 
that is no doubt, as he said, rewarding, but sometimes tough. And we pray for their encouragement on, on those days. And Father, how we pray that you would connect those who need this ministry, who need food in our community with Alan in the food pantry. Lord, today we want to continue to pray for those who are dealing with health issues. We, we pray for Joe Winkler. We pray for Amanda Bankston. We lift up Ed Penland. And today, Samuel MacArthur. Father, we, we thank you that you know each situation intimately, Lord. We, uh, we pray that right now, God, you would bring healing in some of these situations. We ask for supernatural intervention, God, that you would divinely act and heal like no doctor can, but miraculously, Lord, take away disease, take away physical uh, situations that exist and bring healing, we pray. And Father, if you don't choose to do that, we pray for grace, we pray for the strength and the help and the encouragement that each of these individuals and their families need during these times. Father, thank you for how you've answered our prayer so many times before. And we know that we pray today to the God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or even imagine that you could do. And so we wait on you in hope with anticipation of how you're going to answer our prayers. Now, Father, lift high the Lord Jesus Christ in our midst as we sing, as we pray, as we open your word together, that his name might be glorified and that we may be satisfied in him. We ask it in his precious name. Amen. Remain standing as we worship in song. hear that or not. We're glad you joined us this morning. I forgot I turned that off. We're going to sing Everlasting God.
how can it be?
help me feed it. And Father, that is our cry this morning. How can it be? Indeed, every day, Lord, to remember the gospel and be amazed by your grace and your mercy. Holy, holy, holy God. Showing love and grace and mercy to a world full of rebels, sinners, haters of God, those who had no fear of God before their eyes apart from your quickening work by the Holy Spirit and through the gospel dead in trespasses and sins and yet you raised us up to new life through the Lord Jesus Lord thank you thank you for sending your son and giving us free and full pardon and even more than that all of the righteousness of Christ himself so that when you see us you see us clothed in the righteousness of Jesus so that we are by the God of the universe fully accepted as sons and daughters in Jesus. Jesus, you are our living hope. And because of all this, we can live differently in this world. We don't have to be enslaved by the norms of our culture, even by our own nature. We don't have to live fearful and anxious about the things those all around us live in fear and worry over because you, O oh God, are our Father. And you, Lord Jesus, are our living hope for eternity. Help us see what this means practically. Through your word now we ask in Jesus' name. We dismiss to Children's Church, and as they're making their way out, I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we will uh, be looking at the passage we've already read this morning, but we will be looking at verses 22 to 31 in just a few moments. So for over half of my adult life and time in ministry as a pastor, our family's household income was less than $50,000, and that includes total compensation, benefits, and, and what have you. In fact, during the first few years, our total compensation was uh, never over $35,000. My first wife, Robin, and for those of you who are visiting with us and don't know, she passed away in 2010 from cancer. My first wife, Robin, and I made the decision before we had children 
that she would be a stay-at-home mom and she didn't work outside the home. She worked hard in the home because we very quickly had four kids within eight years. And so as many of you have done and some of you in the room this morning are still doing, we had to live very frugally. I think that's a word. I'll confess to you, and this is where I'm going with this, it was an ongoing struggle for me to not worry about money. It was a struggle to trust our Heavenly Father for what we needed to live and provide for our family during those days. And yet, I can tell you looking back, God's grace, of course, was sufficient, and we live, for the most part, by His grace, content lives. When I remember those years, we didn't have much. But we always had more than we needed to eat, and we always had clothes to wear. God gave us a good, simple, happy-in-Him life during those years. Now, let me hasten to let you know, in the last few years, East LJ Baptist Church has provided well for me and my family. My wife, Betsy, today has a banking career, so we're in a much different place financially. So why did I tell you all that? Well, last week we talked about how wealthy most of us are in the room, and it's still true this week. That's still the case for most of us today, but I realize... And I want you to know that I realize there are many across our church family and our country who are not wealthy. There are many families and children, even as Mr. Treble has uh, talked about this morning, that don't have enough to eat on a daily basis. It's sort of the extremes, isn't it? Uh, We talked about last week how for for, for many couples, a six-figure income is no big deal anymore if both people are working. And yet on the other end of the spectrum, even in Gilmer County, Mr. Treble, 60% of school children qualify for some sort of food assistance in Gilmer County. There are many more across our county and even across our church family who maybe don't struggle to eat, but where mom and dad have to live every day and every week and every month very frugally, to make the ends meet and take care of the family. And I I just want you to know, I've been there, and I know what your weeks and your months are like. And what's beautiful about our Lord is that in today's passage from Luke 12, Jesus speaks comfort and assurance, along with some challenge, to all of us, but perhaps especially to those who are struggling to make the financial ends meet. We're in a series entitled How to Be Rich Toward God. Uh, this covers Luke 12, verses 13 through 34. Last week we heard Jesus deal with greed, which we all, no matter where we are financially, we all struggle with it. And Jesus talked about the foolishness of greed, even for the rich man who has a whole lot, because even the wealthy die. And life is about far more than what you have when you die, because when you die, it is someone else's in a moment. 
The first step we saw toward being rich toward God last week was to guard against greed there in Luke 12, 13 to 21. We learned we can guard against the foolishness of greed by believing that treasuring God is real life. Today we're going to talk about step two in being rich toward God. Uh, We're going to talk about trusting our Father for our needs. And then next week we'll wrap up this little three-part mini-series in being rich toward God and talk about giving to the needy, the third step in being rich toward God. Guard against greed. Trust your Father for your needs and give to the needy. Luke chapter 12, verse 22, as we pick it up, thinking today about trusting our Father for our needs. You know, even if we're struggling to make our financial ends meet, here's what we're going to learn from Jesus. Here's the take-home truth. This is what we all need to to, to grasp hold of this morning. We can trust our good Father to meet our needs and live a focused pursuit of, in a focused pursuit of his kingdom priorities in our lives. We can do that. We can trust our good Father to meet our needs and live in a focused pursuit of his kingdom priorities in our lives. Well, how do we do that? There's three things I want you to see from this passage. First, we need to realize that you were made for more than survival. Secondly, we need to rest in God's love and ongoing provision for us. And finally, we need to resolve to make God's kingdom your life's priority and to trust Him for your needs. First of all, in verses 22 and 23, realize that you were made for more than survival. And He said to His disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now, Jesus is talking specifically here to his disciples. He's been addressing a large crowd. Now he kinda, he's kind of focusing in. The crowd's still there, but he's talking to his, his 12. And, he's, and, and, and most of his disciples were not wealthy. In fact, most of them, as well as the crowd all around following Jesus, were living at what we would call today poverty level. They were not the rich farmer from last week's story with enough stuff that they needed to build bigger barns to hold it all. But to them, Jesus speaks these words, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Very interesting. Don't miss this. We've read it several times now. Jesus starts by saying, therefore. Whenever you find a therefore in Scripture, what do you need to ask? What is that there for? Because it connects to something. It's a key connecting word in in, in language, but in in, in the Word of God. And so, here's what Jesus is saying. Because of what I just taught you, remember last week's passage about the, the parable of the rich fool and his bigger barns and how that very night that he made all these great plans, God required his soul and he died. And all of his stuff was gone. And Jesus said, just as foolish as that man was, so are you if you're not rich toward God. So Jesus is saying here, because of what I just told you, that it is deadly and damning foolishness to be greedy for possessions, that's the general statement that I've just taught you in this world, and and to fail to be rich toward God. That's the reason, though, that I'm now telling you very specifically Do not worry about what you'll eat today or about what you'll wear today. Because it's foolish 
to be greedy. Understand, the way that works down practically and very specifically is you can't live with anxiety and worry over your daily needs. 4, verse 23, life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Verses 22 and 23 are really just a more specific way of saying what he already said last week in verse 15. There he said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Life's not about a bunch of stuff. This week, life is more than food and clothes. Life is about more than just getting your daily needs met. You were made for more than physical survival. You see, if you're a child of God, you have a certain eternity yourself. Amen? You know about your eternity. You know it's taken care of. Why? And, and how? Because of Jesus. How can it be that we can be free and have hope for eternity only because of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're a child of God, you have a certain eternity for yourself. But you also have a purpose in this world that has an eternal impact in the lives of others. You see, it's all about the gospel of the glory of God in His grace given to us through Jesus. First, personally understood and believed, and then shared worldwide with the multitudes of people that need to understand and trust Jesus as their Savior for eternal life with God. Jesus showed us that life is more than survival and how he handled Satan's temptation when he was fasting in the wilderness. You remember that? In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, the text says there, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. One of the most under, uh, hugest understatements in all of Scripture. Amen? I mean, if you would not eaten for 40 days or 40 nights, I, yeah, hungry is an understatement. Now, this is a different situation where Jesus finds himself hungry. It's not that he didn't have food. He chose not to eat food. He was fasting and, and praying to the Father. And yet, the, the hunger, the pain, the, 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 the need of his body after 40 days for food was huge. And Satan comes to him in verse 3 and says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And what does Jesus do? He answers with Scripture from Deuteronomy. He answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan, here's the deal. I, I, I made the world. I, I could make bread. But God says, man shall not live by bread alone. It's not just about food. It's not just about getting my daily, and especially today after 40 days of fasting, my needs met. It's about me being synced up with the will of God, living according to the word of God. My life is in the word of God before it's in food, even after a 40-day fast. You see, the critical, most powerful reality in all of life is God's word to us. Do you believe what I just said? The critical, most powerful reality in all of life is God's Word to you. It's this book right here and all that He says in it. God's Word sustains our life. You see, we're not just machines. It's not like God just spun a top and we just run till we quit spinning and then we die. God's hands off of us. It doesn't sustain us. No, 
the Scriptures tell us in Hebrews 1 that Jesus sustains all of us by the word of his power. He sustains the whole world by the word of his power. What does that mean? That means you get to take that next breath you're fixing to take because Jesus said you could breathe. The sun comes up. I, and I understand the science. I understand astronomy. I understand all that stuff. But, but why does it work? Because Jesus says earth keeps spinning. Uh, all the solar system rotations and orbits keep happening. That's why the sun comes up day by day. God's Word is our life. So realize you are made for more than survival. Jesus goes on now to illustrate through nature why we don't have to be anxious and worried about survival. And very simply put, it's this. Our Father loves us. Our Father loves us and will provide for all of our needs. We saw, first of all, that we must realize that we were made for more than survival. But secondly, this morning, rest. Jesus says we must rest in God's love and ongoing provision for us. He illustrates it through nature. He starts out with talking about birds. And here's what he says in verse 24, basically. If God feeds unclean birds, ravens, those were unclean birds to the Jews to whom he spoke, he'll surely feed you. There's never been a raven that planted a garden and harvested it. But ravens don't go hungry. And Jesus said, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? You're, crea- you're, you're, you're the pinnacle of creation as, as human beings. You're so much more valuable to God than a common crow. And yet crows eat. Don't you think God will take care of you, Jesus said. You may be in a place where you need to take the food that Gilmer Food Pantry provides in our community. If that's where you are this morning, if you're joining us by live stream, if you're here in the room, understand this, that's God's provision for you. Sometimes God works that way, amen? I can, just, I can just tell you, during those lean years of Robin and I's marriage early on, God provided through my grandparents. My grandparents never had anything. They, they, he was a mill worker. And I was just talking to one of you this week and talking about how, how giving he was and generous. And, and so for several years... When we would come home from South Carolina to visit family, we would go home with a cooler full of meat. Why? Because meat's the most exp- expensive thing you got to feed a family. Amen? I mean, y'all, y'all ever bought some of this stuff? I mean, y'all, are y'all tracking? And if you're not making anything, that's tough. We never didn't have meat. We never had to just buy bologna and, 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 and get by. Grandpa provided meat. If God feeds unclean birds, he'll surely feed you. You may not like that the way he provides for you. You may may have to humble yourself enough to to call the Gilmer Food Pantry, but here's the thing. That could be God's provision for you. Second thing Jesus says here in verses 25 and 26. Again, we're talking about resting in God's love and ongoing provision. If he feeds the unclean birds, he'll surely feed you. Secondly, since you can't add even an hour to your life, why do you act as if your survival depends on you? Hear Jesus' words. Which of you, by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan. If then you were able, not able to do such a small thing as this, why are you anxious about the rest? 
Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? What's the answer to the question? None of you. In fact, doctors tell us <laughs> that by being anxious, we can take hours off of our life. I'm not so sure you can actually do that either, because of what we're about to see, God's in charge, God's sovereign over your life. But the bottom line is it don't help you, it hurts you to worry. It physically hurts your body. And so Jesus said, if you can't even add by your worry and all your effort and all your striving, if you can't even guarantee one more hour of life before you hit the grave, then why do you think, if you can't even do that little thing, why do you think you can handle the big picture? Why do we think that we need to be different than our children are with us as their parents, dependent on God? You see, the rich farmer from last week's text, was all worried about what he thought would be his long life. So he built bigger barns and saved all he got. And he died that same night just like God said he would. You know, we're health-obsessed today, aren't we? Hello? I mean, some more than others, obviously, but, you know... There's a huge focus on healthy eating and exercise. By the way, two things that I'm a big proponent of. I think you need to be moving. Somehow, some way, just, if it's just walking, move. You'll feel better. I, I think we need to eat healthy. Now, <laughs> I, I'm pretty hypocritical on that point. <laughs> I need to do way better on the eating part. I, I, I do all right on the exercise part, but on the eating part, I could clean up. And hear me, some of, some of this focus is good. We should be good stewards of our bodies before God with our health, with regular exercise and not just living on junk food all the time so that our bodies have some good fuel to run on. But sometimes the message of our culture, this health-crazy culture, it comes across as if we can live forever. If we just eat right, you know, never any carbs and bread and fried and all that, and if we just exercise, then we can just, we'll, we, it's like we'll just live forever but it just ain't so. It just ain't. We will live only to the hour the time God sovereignly gives to us. Jesus says, since you can't even add an hour to your life, why do you act as if your survival every day depends on it? Why do you worry about what you'll eat and what you'll drink? And then thirdly, in verses 27 and 28, he talks about the flowers. If God clothes the grass flowers that fuel ovens, he'll clothe you. So what, Chad, what's the, that fuel ovens part about? Well, in, 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 there in, in Palestine during that time, they had, they had to burn fuel, some kind of fuel, to fire their ovens to cook their food. And what they would do is they would just use the, the common grasses that would grow outside. It was dry. It's a very arid climate there. They would just gather that grass, and that would be the, the fire starter for those fires. And so, you, you, you know, one day you look out, and there's these beautiful flowers. The sun parches them in, in, in just a day or so, and they take that and make that fuel for their ovens. If God clothes the grass flowers that fuel ovens, don't you think he'll clothe you? Listen to what he says. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? 
was turkey hunting recently, and I was walking through a place that the um, DNR has just done a burn. And in the middle of this parched earth was this little hearse. You may know what that flower is called, but there's this little purple flower. It just had a small flower. And in the middle of this dark black brown landscape, there's this green, beautiful little, almost like a mini iris looking something or another. And, and, and this purple, just absolutely beautiful flower. Jesus said, Solomon, best dressed man ever lived. He, he was never as good looking and well clothed as that little flower. And if God clothes the flowers that way, makes them, makes them just jump out at you off, off, off the ground as you're walking through the woods, won't he take care of you? You know, you may have to shop at the thrift store. But that will be God's provision for your clothing. If so, by the way, my daddy always says, somebody has to pay retail, but it don't have to be me. I suggest thrift store shopping no matter what you make, no matter what you can afford to buy. Why would you do that? Go to Buckhead Thrift Store. Good choice, selection, six bucks. Ask me how I know. And then he says, oh, you of little faith. You see, worry about survival reveals a lack of trust. That's really what we're talking about. A lack of trust in our loving Father who's proven his love for us by giving Jesus to die and rise from the dead to save us eternally. And can I just say, that makes zero sense. To not trust for our daily needs, to be, to be lacking in trust toward God for our daily provision who gave his son to save our souls. That zero sense. Because if God is taking care of our eternal needs, how can we think that he won't be good enough and powerful enough to sustain our earthly lives? Do you trust your father? Do you trust, as Paul called him, Abba, your heavenly daddy? You see, you and I can rest in God's love and ongoing provision for you because he cares for us far more than the ravens, far more than the lilies. He sustains our every moment of life. Our worrying can add not even a moment, an hour to our lives. So we can rest in God's love and ongoing provision for you. You see, as we said at the outset, we can trust our good Father to meet our needs and live in a focused pursuit of His kingdom priorities in our lives. Thirdly, this morning, notice as Jesus wraps this passage up, not only must we rest in God's love and, and, and ongoing provision and realize that, that we were made for more than survival, we must thoroughly resolve to make God's kingdom your life's priority and trust Him for your needs. Jesus repeats himself here in verse 29 to drive home the point he's been making. Verse 29, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. He's already said that in so many words, hasn't he? says it again. 
For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. J.B. Phillips gets the meaning of verse 29 in this, with his translation. You must not set your heart on what you eat or drink. That's what it means to not seek what you are to eat and to drink. You must not set your heart on what you are to eat or drink. The Greek word for seek there, do not seek, is an intensified form. It's, it's, a, it's a very strong verb, and it means not just to seek, but to desperately seek. To desperately seek as if your life depended on it. To be so passionately engrossed in your daily needs. What you will eat and what you would drink. And Jesus said, don't do that. That's the way the pagans live. John MacArthur says that this describes life among the unregenerate. It's a battle for bread. It's a battle for survival. It's a dog-eat-dog world. The world lives, those apart from Christ, those who don't know God, live to acquire material things. They're all about survival. Why? Because they're dead to God. They're dead to spiritual life. And being spiritually dead, all there is is the physical world. There is no God. If there's there's nothing to do about anything with heaven, if you can't know the creator of all things, that all there is 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 right here. It's what you see. And that's how pagans, those who don't know God, live. They focus on just what is in front of them today, what they'll eat and what they'll wear today. Because they don't live under the amazing care of our gracious and good God. But we who know Christ do. We have a loving Father. He cares for us. We do live in His love. We do live in His promised provision. Provision of a good, good Father. Our Father knows, Jesus said, that we need those things. And you see, that's all we need to know. Is that our Father knows. That's how it works, isn't it? All children need to know is that daddy knows they need a certain thing. They need food. They need clothes. Because then, guess what? Daddy handles it. Right? Hello? A good daddy. I realize some of us in this room didn't have a good daddy. And there are situations where that did not happen. But the reality is we all know a good father. All the child needs to know is that daddy has it. Jesus is telling you, he's telling me, your daddy has it. He's got it. He knows what you need. Now so far, Jesus has just said, don't worry about and don't seek, pursue, obsess over food and clothing. By the way... Not just whether you'll have any, but, but we, we live in a culture today. Y'all, y'all know where I'm going with this, don't you? We live in a culture today. It's not about, it's not about whether we're going to eat. It's about what we're going to eat. Hello? It's not about if we'll have something to wear. It's about which thing are we going to wear. And here's the thing. Just on the opposite end of survival is, is, is this affluence that we enjoy. And, and, and we're, we're worried about wearing the right thing, the cool clothes. We, we, we want to eat all the best food. Y'all, are y'all okay? Hello? 
Yeah, this, this is, the, this is the, 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 the disparity in our experiences, isn't it? So Jesus just said, don't worry about, don't seek and pursue and obsess over food and clothing. But in verse 31, Jesus tells us positively what we should do. Verse 31, instead, instead of all of that worry and all that anxiety, all that focus and obsession and pursuit of just the stuff of today, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. In Matthew 6, verse 33, Matthew's account records it this way. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. I think that is understood and implied in Luke's account, but it's, it's stated as such. Seek first, above all, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Make the priorities of God's kingdom your priorities. Is it true? Are they? Are his priorities, the kingdom's priorities, your priorities? You know the answer to that. You don't have to look far. One place to start is how you spend your money, right? It'll tell you a whole lot real quick. Make the good news about Jesus and the spread of the, that good news about him to a world that needs him. Make that your life's focus. And Jesus promises you here, if you'll do that, the Father will bring alongside of you, uh, alongside of your focused on the kingdom of God life, everything you need. You don't have to provide for yourself. You have to focus on the provider you don't have to make sure you've got everything you need. You have to focus on the one who gave everything he had to give you life and relationship with God so that you can call him Father. Now, we may never be wealthy by American standards, but Jesus' promise is that we'll never lack what we need. So the question in all this is simply this. Are we seeking God's kingdom? A lifestyle of love and service to others. The fulfillment of the great commission He's given us. Are we seeking God's kingdom first and above all things? Are we? John Piper says, Here Jesus calls us to replace thing-seeking with kingdom-seeking. And to do it without anxiety for not having things. He calls us to be different from the rest of the world. All the nations of the world seek these things. The followers of Jesus replace thing-seeking with kingdom-seeking. And when Jesus says, seek his kingdom first, when he commands us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that's another way of saying what He's already said back in verse 21, to be rich toward God. How do, you, how do you be rich toward God? You seek His kingdom above all. You'll never be rich toward God if you're not seeking His kingdom above all things. Resolve to make God's kingdom your life's priority and trust Him for your needs.
I love Romans 8, verse 32. Probably one of my favorite verses, and I, I know I probably say that a lot. But Romans 8, verse 32 is probably one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture where Paul says of Jesus, of, of God the Father, He who did not spare His own Son, the Lord Jesus, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? In, in, in the words of our text, if He gave His Son to save your soul, don't you think He'll put food on your table, don't you think you'll put clothes on your back? If he did this huge, unimaginably large and, 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 and awesome and, and just mind-blowing thing of saving your soul, and he took the initiative in that. The Bible says we were dead in trespasses and he made us alive, he resurrected us, the language literally means. If, he, if he's done that for us, don't you think he cares enough to make sure you eat and have clothes to wear? And a lot of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to save us for eternity, how can we doubt and live and worry about his care and provision for this earthly life? It just doesn't make sense, does it? In Colossians 3, 1 through 4, Paul says, If then you've been raised with Christ. Have you been raised with Christ in the room today? Because I just want, I want to see a show of hands. Raise, raise your hand if you've been raised with Christ. You know you've been raised with Christ. His resurrection has been applied to you. His crucifixion has been applied to you. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What is, who is your life? What is your life? It's not food and drink. It's not clothes. It's not your everyday needs. It's, it's Christ. And if you've been raised to Christ, not only, not only that, but, but you're seated with him in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1 tells us. And when he appears then you also will, with, will appear with him in glory. That's the hope we have for the future. And so Paul says, here's the deal. If, if you have an eternal hope in Christ, then you know what you need to be thinking about in this life, in the present, in this world? The things of heaven. You need to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You need to, you need, you need to seek the things that are above not the things that are here on earth. We can trust our good Father to meet our needs and live in a focused pursuit of His kingdom priorities in our lives. We do that by realizing that we were made for more than survival, by resting in God's love and ongoing provision for us, and resolving to make God's kingdom your life's priority and trust Him for your needs. You know, when my children were growing up, if they had constantly been worried about whether they were going to have enough to eat and, and coming to me and saying, Daddy, are you sure we're going to have enough food for breakfast this morning? And, 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 and Daddy, Daddy, do you, do you really think we'll get to eat lunch today? And, and, and Daddy, before we go to bed tonight, do you think we'll get to have a meal? If my kids had talked to me like that, how would I have felt? I'd break my heart, wouldn't it? Why? Because I'm Daddy, and I got you. I got that covered. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure you have food. Or if my kids had, 
had, had, had, had, had been worried. Daddy, are we going to have school clothes to, to start school back in the fall with? Daddy, are we going to have shoes to put on? I would have done whatever I had to do to make sure, because I'm their daddy. I'd never have let them gone without food and clothes. I'd have gone without myself. Amen, daddies? In fact, I made sure that my children, even in those lean years I mentioned to you earlier, they never knew. I made sure their life was carefree. Why? Because that's not theirs to worry about. I'm daddy. That's mine to handle. And though I may have struggled to trust my daddy, my heavenly daddy, for his provision for me and my children, my children never knew it. And here's the thing. Why do we treat God differently than that? We live sometimes that same way with our Heavenly Father. Oh, we'd never say it out loud. But in our hearts, we've questioned our Father's care and lived in worry over food and clothing. And again, not, maybe not whether we're going to have any, but whether we're going to have what we want and, and the right food, the right clothes. Jesus said it's just stupid. Hello? It makes no sense. Seek the kingdom. Man, there's bigger things to live for. We can trust our good Father to meet our needs. And, and, and in so doing, we can live a focused, a life of focused pursuit on His kingdom priorities in our lives. The question is, will we? Will I? Will you? Let's pray. Father, may we trust you, our good, good Father. With all that we need, and whether it's for actual survival, literally those situations, Lord, where we, we're having a hard time making ends meet, whether it's that situation or whether it's this distraction with food and clothing that some of us live with, God, I pray that we would be set free from it altogether and we would trust our daddy. that He loves us. He's proven that through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ and he will take care of his children. God, may we not insult you with anxiety over these things that you have promised to give. And we trust you. We need your help. Sometimes that's hard. Especially when things are tight. God, how I pray that we would be willing to accept your provision when it comes, no matter how that may be. And may we praise you. Always for all of your provision. God, I pray that our lives would be focused and, and, and just desperately running after not these things, but the kingdom. The righteousness with which you want us to live and serve this world and the message of the kingdom that there's a Savior. His name is Jesus, and he died and rose in our Place. Lord, may we 
have that message and its proclamation to our neighbors and to the nations as the first priority in all of life. That the name of Christ and the the name of of, of our good Father might be exalted for His grace. Work in our hearts, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. This altar is open for you to respond to the message this morning however you need to do so. If you need to come for any other reason, I'll be right here on the front row and uh, you just respond to the Lord in that as we sing. He was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our sin. Punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. Punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds by his wounds we are healed we are healed by your sacrifice and the life that you He was crushed for our sins. Punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds we are
and this week, uh, last Sunday afternoon, actually, I got a call from Sir Randy, and he said, I've got a young lady that needs to tell you something. And last Sunday uh, at home, uh, Gracie came to know the Lord Jesus, came to know and firmly believe that nothing but the blood of Jesus can save, but that by his wounds, indeed, she had been healed. And so we just rejoice in God's salvation. Amen. I said it earlier, but some of you weren't in the room, and, and so every time somebody gets saved, I just, I can't help. I love that passage where Jesus said, the angels of heaven rejoice. And so there's been a party going on since last Sunday uh, for the sake of Gracie's salvation, God's work in Gracie's life, and so we rejoice. And so Gracie comes today, making a profession of faith, presenting herself as a candidate for bapti- baptism. We'll have a baptizing, but baptism, and then a full member of uh, Full rights to the members of our church. Is there a motion to accept Gracie in, into that? What, what Ken says, is there a second? All right. All in favor, let me know by saying amen. amen. And we love you. We do love you, Gracie. And just we're going to be praying for you. Uh, how God might use you in our church and, and asking God that God will continue to use us. Uh, you know, this, this, when our young people come to Christ, there's, there's a lot of things going on sometimes. In this case, at home, being taught the Word of God and the Gospel by Sarandi and Leslie faithfully, but also coming here and, and being in, in some of your Sunday school classes. Some of you ladies through the years have, have taught and put God's Word into uh, Gracie's heart and uh, this is the, the fruition of God's work, all that seed planting and watering, and, and now a harvest that God uh, allowed, uh, allowed to happen last Sunday afternoon. So we praise Him. And we are going to baptize Gracie on Mother's Day. May, is that May the 9th? Somebody help me. May the 9th. So that'll be Baptism Day. Uh, if there's anyone else that has trusted the Lord Jesus and we don't know it, and you need to be baptized, then come Mother's Day, we'll take care of that. And rejoice with you as well. All right. Good deal. Uh, I have one announcement to make before we dismiss. Gracie, if you'll go, with, uh, go out to the back there. Uh, and, and just as you're comfortable, we're, we're, we're kind of in a transition period. We're not sure exactly how to behave. We, we don't want to make anyone comfortable. We want to uh, respect everyone's space. But we're going to let you stand out there. And as folks that are comfortable want to come by and greet Uh, then please do that and and welcome Gracie into the family of God. Uh, Wedding shower for Alexa Wilson and Isaac Hensley will be on Sunday, May the 2nd at 3 o'clock here. And so just want to uh, make that announcement. Um, Didn't get to make that earlier. So May the 2nd, 3 o'clock, wedding shower for Alexa Wilson and Isaac Hensley. Anybody got anything else? If not... Praise the Lord. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday, Lord willing.